Well, hello and welcome to the Exegesis Podcast with me, your host, Ian Moore. It is great to have you join me for this, the first podcast of many, God willing. Uh, So today I just want to introduce you to myself and the big idea of about what this podcast is all about. Uh, My name is Ian Moore. I am a pastor of a local church in the Cyprus, Texas area. And so I just want to start podcasting just my studies in the scripture. And the whole idea is I want to look at the scripture through the Jesus lens. As you know, when he rose from the dead, one of the first things that Jesus did is he had a Bible study with two of his disciples on the road to Emmaus. And as he walked with them on the way, he opened up to them the scriptures, the law and the prophets. And he showed his disciples from the scriptures that they pointed to him. So what I want to do each week is to look at the scriptures as Jesus did and to look at the scriptures through the Jesus lens and to see how all of the truths in scripture point ultimately to him. So that's the big idea of the Exegesis podcast. And so today, before we start to study the scriptures themselves week by week, what I want to do is just look at Bible study in general and how I myself study the scriptures. And so what we're going to do is look at just one way to do that. I'm sure that you have your own method of Bible study. But I think the best way to study the Bible is exegetically. Exegesis is the art of interpretation, whether you are looking at a poem or story, whatever literature it is that you may be studying. If you really want to get the true meaning of the text, you have to find the author's intent. Why is it there? Why was it written? What is the true meaning? So to do that, I just want to look at some uh, principles of Bible study to help us. And then after today's episode, next week, we're going to start our studies in the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew 5 through to Matthew 7. But today, we're going to look at Bible study in general. Really, the first thing about Bible study is we must give ourselves in prayer. We must speak to the author, God, if we are really going to find its true meaning. We must get into God's word until God's word gets into us. So we must set aside the time and we must pray through the scripture. And like the psalmist, we must pray, God, May I behold wonderful things in your word. We want to let the word about Christ dwell in us richly. And we want to hide the word of God in our hearts that we may not sin against him. So just one passage of scripture I want to look at just really to springboard us in to this talk about Bible study. And so this is a passage from one of the pastoral letters that Paul wrote 
to his young protege, Timothy. And as he was writing to Timothy in his first letter, he said this. He said, Timothy, give your attention to the public reading of Scripture, to teaching, and to exhortation. Be devoted to the public reading of Scripture, to teaching, and to exhortation. Now, this is Paul writing to a pastor who is going to be preaching week by week the Word of God to to God's people. But there is a principle here for us when we study the Scripture. Now, you may not be preparing a manuscript to take to a pulpit to preach in front of a gathered congregation, but when you get into the Scripture, you will be wanting to do these three things every time. Read the scripture, see what it's teaching, and to see how it is preaching. Read the scripture and look what it is teaching, and to look to see how it is preaching. We want to see the truths that we are to believe, and we want to see the ways in which we should live as disciples of Jesus and children of God. We want to know God's will for our lives. So taking that scripture, I ask two main questions to start. And the two questions are this. What does the text teach? And how does the text preach? What does the text teach? And how does the text preach? So what we're thinking about here is indicatives and imperatives. We're thinking about the great and glorious and grand truths about what God has done and the imperatives, what we must do, what we should believe and how we should live. One thing to consider when we come to any passage of the Bible is, of course, context. We cannot do exegesis without context because in exegesis we're bringing out its true meaning, exiting out from the pages of scripture what it really and truly means. So we must think about the literature in which we're reading, the genre of literature that we're reading. Are we reading the Psalms, which is wisdom literature? In the Psalms we could read songs, we could read prayers, we could read stories being reminisced on great events from redemptive history. We could be in the Proverbs. It is wisdom literature too, where we have these great wise sayings and general principles for life. For life, Maybe we're in one of the epistles, which is didactic literature, where we're reading about what Paul is teaching the church. Or maybe we are in more prophetic literature or apocalyptic literature where we are looking at the end times and what will unfold at the end of the age. So there are various types of literature that we must uh, think through before we can really interpret the scripture properly. We also must look at its uh, grammatical construction looking at words and phrases and the flow of each sentence. And we also must think of the history in which it's placed, the time, the culture. And then 
Most importantly, how it fits into the grand story of redemption, the gospel. Because from Genesis to Revelation, we have the story of the gospel. And whatever we're reading in the scripture fits into that story somewhere. Okay, so after we've considered all of those things and we get into the text and we look at its immediate context and the context of the book in which we're reading it, we come back again to these two questions. What does the text teach and how does the text preach? And just for example, if you are reading a letter that Paul wrote to the church, take for example the letter he wrote to the Romans, we can see very clearly there this construction of these two questions and the indicatives gospel indicatives and gospel imperatives because in the first 11 chapters before Paul goes off in this grand note of doxology at the end of the 11th chapter he gives us 11 full chapters of gospel doctrine touching on things like the holiness wrath and judgment of God the sinfulness of sin he talks about sanctification justification peace with God, security, eternal security, the effectual call of the gospel, the general call of the gospel, truths about evangelism, uh, truths about the atonement of Christ and the nature of his atonement and propitiation and expiation, just wonderful and glorious truths about the gospel. And then after that, he talks about the mercies of God that we've read about and how we are to live as living sacrifices in response in our worship. He gives us gospel imperatives, how we are then to live, what we are to believe about the gospel and confess about the gospel, and then how we are to live according to the gospel. As Paul even writes in Philippians, live a life worthy of the gospel. And so we have imperatives, what we must do and how we must live. So that's just one example. Just looking at the construction of Paul's letters, how he gives us these truths, gospel truths, and these gospel imperatives, what we must do, how we must live as disciples of Jesus. So then just coming back to those two questions that I mentioned right at the start, what does the text teach and how does the text preach? So under that first question of teaching, we're thinking of Bible exposition. And then under the second question of preaching we're thinking of life application and those are the two things we should want to come away with when we look and when we study and meditate on the scriptures it's teaching and how it preaches how it exhorts us into life on to good works so when i think about teaching what we're looking for is these great and glorious truths about what the scripture reveals about god God especially, because as you know, the Bible is a theological book. It is God, God's word to us. It is theological. It is rich in doctrine, rich in truths about God Almighty. So when we think about what it's revealing about God, we're thinking of his attributes, his character, his work, his providence, We're thinking about his holiness, his justice, his kindness, his love, his grace, his mercy, his immutability, his unchanging character, 
his he it's his eternalness, his glory, his majesty, everything is revealing his sovereignty, his aseity. There's so many truths, glorious truths about God to be explored and to learn. And so we must think what is the scripture teaching about God? Not only God in general, but God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God is triune. And so we want to look at the nature and the character of each person of the Trinity. Also, not only is the Bible a theological book, it's also an anthropological book. As it gives us the doctrine of man, we know about the Imago Dei, that human beings are made in the image of God. But we're also fallen beings, so it talks about the human condition. There we have doctrines about sin, which is harmatology, the doctrine of sin, original sin, the fall, and all the truths that relate to that. Throughout the Bible, we have believers and unbelievers, sinners and saints, and the Bible teaches us about the human condition, about the human mind, about the human will, about the human heart and its condition. We hear about those inside God's kingdom, those outside of God's kingdom, and there's a lot of truth to be explored there as it relates to anthropology, the doctrine of man. Also, we must think about the gospel, the grand story of redemption, and all of the great doctrines that relates to that, the doctrine of justification, the doctrine of adoption, the doctrine of sanctification, uh, the doctrine of the atonement, the, uh, the act of obedience of Christ, the atoning death of Christ, the resurrection, the ascension, the incarnation, and everything related to that glorious gospel story and the covenants that the Bible revealed in the scripture. Then the scripture itself, we have bibliology. The scripture talks about itself, its authority, its clarity, its perspicuity, its its sufficiency, its inerrancy. And so the Bible talks about itself. So not only does it talk about God and great truths about God, about man, sinners and saints, about the gospel, the grand story of redemption, but scripture itself. And then last, and I put it last because we're not going to really see as much here. We've got angelology and demonology, angels and demons, Satan and his minions, and then the angelic armies, the Lord of hosts, and his hosts are his angelic celestial beings who do serve us, as it says in Hebrews, as it relates to those who inherit salvation. So there are truths to be known there and believed about angels and demons. So those are some of the things under the first question, what does the text teach that is worthwhile looking at? And then moving from there, the other question is, how does the text preach? You know, in a sermon, you're not only going to get teaching, but you're going to get preaching, exhortation. This is what the scripture is teaching. This is what it means. This is then how we should live. So when we look at the passage, we're, we're going to look at things like truths to confess, commands to obey, sins to avoid and turn from, promises to believe, warnings to heed, petitions to pray, examples that are Christ-like to follow, and proverbs and principles to apply, things to do, 
We must not only hear the truth of God's word, we must be doers of God's word. And so we may be in passages where there's just clear exhortations on to good works, on to practical and into practical Christianity. So that is the other things we should look at when we study the scripture. What does the text teach, first of all, but then how does the text preach? So when I say truths to confess, sometimes you may be in a passage where it's really just revealing great and glorious and majestic truths about God, and there really isn't any really any exhortation there. But no matter what we're studying, there's always implications. For example, you may be studying in Isaiah the great truths about God's sovereignty and his omnipotence. And that's all you're studying. But yet, from there, there's an implication of how we should live. Because if God is almighty, if God possesses all power, if he is completely sovereign and control of the whole universe, then one implication is that we should not worry, or our hearts should not be full of anxiety, but rather we should be content and at peace. And one implication also would be to pray. When we do worry, to cast all of our cares upon the one who cares for us. So you can see there that while we may confess a truth about God's nature and character, one of his attributes, there's always an implication about how we should live in light of that. And then commandments to obey, very clear. Uh, Obviously, if you're in the Ten Commandments, we have negative and positive exhortation. This is wrong. This is what we should not do. This is not in keeping with the Christian life. And then more positively, this is what we should do. Uh, One example would be in Ephesians when Paul says, always tell the truth, positive, and do not lie. Um, And we know the positive positive commandment of love God and love people really is a fulfillment of all the commandments. No matter what we're doing uh, positively, it will show love for God and love for others. So commandments to obey and then sins to avoid. When we're reading the scripture, I'm sure God illuminates your own heart, brings you more into self-awareness and you can see the idolatry of your heart, the things that you're thinking, the things that you're saying, the things that you're doing that are not in keeping and not in touch with a life that should be worthy of the gospel. And so we want to avoid those things and turn from those things. And then next, they promise to believe. Uh, For example, maybe you're reading 1 Thessalonians, you're reading about the great promise of Jesus' second coming and how that is an unconditional promise. It will happen, it's set to happen in history. And then the implication of that great truth for Paul as he writes to Christians in Thessalonica is that we should not be lazy, get about the business and the work of mission. And as you do, hold that hope of the resurrection in the future in your hearts and pursue holiness as you wait for the Lord. So that is a promise to believe. Or maybe you are in the, the book of Psalms and you're right at the first Psalm, which is contrasting the way of the righteous with the wicked. And in there, there's a conditional promise to believe. And it's this, that if you meditate on God's word day and night, that you will be a strong Christian, just like a tree that has been planted by the streams of water that will bear its fruit in season, its leaf will not wither, and you will be strong in character because you meditate on God's word and you will prosper in all you do. 
So the condition is meditating on God's word day and night. And the result is a fruitful, prosperous, successful, strong Christian life. And then next there is the warning to heed throughout scripture. There's not only promises, but there's warnings. For example, if you confess Christ and you're living in sin and you go to scripture, there will be many warnings about turning from your sin. For example, it says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. There is a warning. If you're not pursuing a holy life, you will not see the Lord. All throughout the book of Hebrews, there is great warnings about those who are not persevering in the Christian faith. And then next there's a petition to pray. You find this in Paul's letters quite a lot where he's praying for the believers of whatever church he is writing to. But even so, no matter what we're reading in scripture, we can turn it into a prayer and just give it back to God. And normally that is what we do when we end our study. We take all that he's taught us and we pray it back to God and we ask him for the strength to obey. And then next, an example to follow. Here I'm thinking more about examples in scripture of saints who are Christ-like. Take, for example, maybe Daniel. Daniel has been exiled. He's in Babylon, Babylon, a very idolatrous culture, a pagan culture, but he's a principled man. He's a man of conviction. He's a man of truth. He does not compromise his faith. He's a man of prayer. And what we have there is Christ-likeness in a human being just like us, and that's someone worthy to follow follow his example because he's following Christ. Just as Paul would say in his letter, follow me as I follow Jesus, Daniel gives us an example to follow. We're not going to follow someone like Saul before his conversion because he gave out murderous threats to the church. So that's not an example. So we need to be very careful when we think about examples to follow. We're thinking about as they represent Christ well in their lives. And then last of all, Proverbs or principles to apply. These are just great truths, great principles, great proverbs in the scripture that really just bring success and help to life. Uh, The book of Proverbs itself uh, are not promises, but great wise sayings and principles that if you apply them, life will go generally better. Life in your marriage, life in your family, life in the workplace, life in society in general will go better will go better if you apply these principles to life. Okay, so that is it. What does the text teach? How does the text preach? These are the things that I myself look at and ask of the text when I try my very best to do exegesis. And above all, I want to see the glory of Christ. I want to see the beauty of his character, the sufficiency of his work, and the goodness of his will. And that is what I ask. Those questions. How does the text teach? And how does the text preach? As I try to glean from the scripture. The wonderful things that are there. So I hope this was helpful to you today. Next week we will go straight into the Sermon on the Mount. And start to look at the Beatitudes of Jesus. And that's where we'll start our next episode. But for today, I just wanted to talk about Bible study in general. So I hope this was helpful to you. I have been your host, Ian Moore. This has been the Exegesis Podcast. And I just want to say grace and peace to you all. Blessings in Jesus' name. Amen.